Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Are you ready to manifest incredible love? Not just love, but healthy, meaningful, aligned love. Hi, I'm Alia Lovely, the host of Chart Topping Podcast, Spiritual Shit. And I'm Shirin Eskandani, coach and founder of Wholehearted Coaching. We've both manifested amazing partnerships and want to show you how to do that in your own life by unlocking your energy and mindset. So we've created Manifest Them, the online course to call in your soulmate. With over six hours of content, worksheets, bonus meditations, and breathwork exercises, this course will show you exactly how to shift your beliefs and frequency to manifest your equal and capable partner. This course will not only teach you how to call on your soulmate, but also how to nurture a loving, healthy relationship. If you're interested in finding love or finding out more about how to manifest, head over to manifestthem.com. Open the door, love, and step into the partnership you've always desired. Hey everyone, hope you had an amazing week last week. I hope that you are doing fan-damn-tastic. Uh, we had a ton of response from last week's episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to it yet, I would definitely go over there and check that out. Um, and I have gotten a slew of DMs of people saying, I'm getting signs, I'm getting messages, I'm getting things from my ancestors and spirit. And that's been really cool and refreshing to see you guys put those things into practice. Um, what's even cooler is to see a lot of you guys popping up on my Patreon who've subscribed. Um, so, so neat to see you there. Thank you so much for contributing to my community so we can continue to bring you free content. Um, I'm also super excited about the free workshop that's coming up on August 1st about spirit guides specifically. And I had this really crazy, amazing experience. I cannot wait to share in the workshop. Um, I won't share it on the podcast cause I'll just, you know, have a little something a little special for the side. Um, but super, super cool things that are going on, um, that are awakening in my own spirituality, even that I, I just, I can't wait to tell you <laughs> super excited about that. So if you want to become a Patreon member, make sure to go to patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah to continue to support this platform so we can keep bringing you free shit. Okay. Um, besides that, I asked a lot of you guys last week to go ahead and post your favorite episode, uh, to win a drawing for a free reading with the hashtag July 18th, which is my birthday. Um, and so we have, I did the drawing and we have a Cynthia Powell who's won, uh, her handle is truly Cynthia. So if that is you DM me and let me know that's who you are. Um, so that way we can actually, you know what? I'll just DM you. 
How about that? I just wanted to announce it live so you guys know people are getting stuff. Um, so you'll receive a free reading for that. If you guys want to have an Oracle card reading, um, I just opened up all of August dates. There are 20 new dates available. So if you weren't, if it wasn't available for you before, it is now. Oh, now that we're done with the official part, this episode is going to be really cool. And um, it's really great because Trey is such a wonderful, um, just a breath of fresh air. And she has such an amazing story. But um, you guys know that my favorite topic to talk about is manifestation. And um, what I think is really beautiful is this in this particular episode, we're talking about big dreams. Okay. This is not just manifesting like that next, you know, tear up. This is like the big fish catch. And so to get to hear her story and hear about these really amazing things that she was able to put into place, she's like a law of attraction. I mean, guru, I wouldn't say guru. Nobody calls themselves a guru anymore, but, um, what she's been able to manifest in her life has been really cool. And I very much align with that because I was able to see that happen in my own life for very interpersonal stuff. And I'm still waiting for the more external stuff. Like I'm just going to put this out in the universe you know, for my podcast to, to be picked up by a major company of some sort, or, um, to have my own TV show to be essentially the next Oprah to have Oprah listen to my show would be really awesome. <laughs> um, so if anybody knows her, please forward those along. Um, but it's funny because me and Trey also have that in common. She wanted to also meet Oprah. So I, we just kind of geeked out about that. Um, but yeah, I want to put that out in the universe myself. I really want this show to do big things and while I worked on my interpersonal stuff, while I manifested my my dream person, partner, and um, a home, and a child who I'm falling in love with more and more each day, it's like now I have these external goals that are like big fish things. It's like, I really want the podcast to do X. I really want the podcast to do Y. And if I haven't sat down with myself and really allowed myself to dream lately, I can't even put into words what that is as far as clarity goes. Like I haven't made, made it super specific about what I want to happen. Um, except I did say I would like to be, uh, Joe Rogan status. <laughs> I want my podcast to be Joe Rogan status. Um, but not Joe Rogan esque. Sorry, Joe, if you're listening to this, you've got your own thing. So anyway, um, putting it out there because we're going to talk about big dreams today. So let's get into that episode. Trey Anthony is a visionary creator who uses the unique blend of comedy, theater, motivational talk, and our own life experiences to inspire and lift up others. Trey is an award-winning writer, motivational speaker, and relationship-slash-life coach. She is the first Black woman in Canada to have a television series on a primetime network, and her work includes plays The Kink in My Hair and How Black Mothers Say I Love You. Trey's sold-out hit play to Kink in My Hair grossed millions and broke box office records across Canada, the United States, and England after it premiered in 2001. It was named one of the top 10 plays in Canadian theatrical history and received four NAACP theater awards, including Best Playwright. It continues to be produced on stages throughout North America. Trey's life purpose is to empower women to live their best damn lives. Yes, she said it. Her new book, Black Girl in Love with Herself details Trey's inner struggles to meet the demands of her family and the societal pressures of living up to the image of a strong black woman. 
With her infectious humor and personal insights, Trey's vulnerability makes it easy for audiences to connect to her message, and she's spoken all around the world covering topics relating to creating the life that you want. Please welcome Trey to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we have Trey Anthony, who is just a multi-talented, amazing person with an incredible book coming out called Black Girl Loves in Love with Herself. How you doing, honey? Hey, I'm great. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Thanks for being on the show. Um, I did a lot of research about you before we got on here and I got to read part of your book and just kind of see the joy and inspiration you've been to so many people. You have a play that you debuted, uh, The Kink in My Hair, um, which then debuted as a premiere show in Canada. Um, You have this incredible book. You have other plays and other things that you've done. You're just kind of like incredibly multi-talented. Thank you. (laughs) So um, today we're talking about dreaming and talking about bringing your dreams to fruition um, and just hearing the stories in which you've been able to kind of produce out of, um, you know, from your background into what were you at now? Like, it's incredibly inspiring. And so I don't want to tell it for everybody. I'm going to let you tell it. Um, but before we get into like all the amazing stuff that you've done, can you give people a little bit of background about you and kind of what got you to this point? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm best known for my work, um, as a playwright, um, for the work, the kink in my hair, and also how black mothers say, I love you. Um, I was the first black Canadian woman to have a TV show on a primetime network based on my play, The Kink in My Hair. And I then moved into public speaking and motivational speaking um, as well, um, because I'm a big believer on just spirituality, self-help, motivating people. So I started this brand called Black Girl in Love with Herself, which was really geared at Black women and racialized women in the self-help market. And that book came out in January of this year. And so you can get it wherever books are sold, Amazon, you name it, your local bookstore, Barnes and Nobles, it's all there. And um, for me, I really... I would say to everybody, like how I started my work was really out of necessity. I didn't intend to be a playwright. Um, I really started out thinking I was going to be an actor. And then um, I realized I I just was under the impression that if you're really talented and everyone says you're really great and you go to school, then you will come out and people will give you a job (laughs) and put uh, put you on the big screen. That was my belief. And then I realized that I was getting a lot of really stereotypical roles, Um, you know, baby mama number one, black girl on welfare number two, crackhead number three. Mm -hmm. And I really just was um, really distraught by that. And I remember going home to my grandmother and I was like, you know, I'm just so fed up and I keep getting all of the shitty roles. And my grandmother was like, well, if they're giving you shit, then write your own shit. (laughs) (laughs) That was kind of the incentive that I got um, to go into writing. Um, The Kink in My Hair was my first play. I'd never written anything um, before as a play or anything like that. And it started off as a very small local production. And then it became this underground kind of um, grassroots hit 
then it went into our regional theaters and then into our commercial theaters where we were selling out 2000 seat theaters. And it just kind of was, it took on a life of its own. But as you said, in that all along my journey, I've always been manifesting and visioning and just kind of being like, I know this is what I see for my life and this is what I expect. And this is what will show up if I keep focusing on that and believing and affirming. Beautiful. Well, I read in a chapter in your book where you talked about the process of getting your play into the Princess Wales, Princess of Wales Theater. Princess of Wales Theater, yes. And uh-huh. I want you to tell this story in its fullness because to me it's it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. The Princess of Wales Theater is our largest commercial theater in Toronto. And so they do all of the big productions, such as like Lion King, Hairspray, Evita, all of the big shows. And they are known for bringing in American shows. They had never done a Canadian production at the Princess of Wales Theatre. And even before I had written the kink, I was walking by the Princess of Wales Theatre and I was with a friend at the time and I saw the marquee for The Lion King. Mm -hmm. And I looked up at it and I said, one of these days my play is going to be at the Princess of Wales Theatre. And she kind of looked at me like, okay, black girl, that's not right. <laughs> and like, like you have never written anything, but all of a sudden you think your play is going to be at the Princess of Wales Theater. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so fast forward about five years, um, we did The Kink in My Hair, a small production at the Toronto Fringe Festival, which is a really small independent theater festival for up and coming um, theater productions. And we were in like, I think like a 50 seat theater or something like that. And during this time, I still kept writing. My play is going to be at the Princess of Wales Theater. And I'm a big believer in my lucky number is seven. So I would write it in clusters of seven Mm. all of the time, nearly like every day. And I would look at it and just envision that that's what was going to happen. And so what ended up happening is after it got from the French festival, it got picked up at the regional theater, Theater Pass Marine. It was the sold out hit. And the commercial theater producers came knocking and that was Mervis Productions. And they said, we want to do your play, The Kink in My Hair. And they said, we are actually going to put it at the Poor Alex Theater. And the poor Alex Theater was still a nice theater, but it's it was, you know, like a smaller theater. There was no Princess of Wales. It was not the Princess of Wales <laughs> Theater. And I remember going into the meeting going, oh, um, and I even said it aloud. Like I said to the producer, when they said the poor Alex, I said, are you sure you mean the poor Alex or do you mean the Princess of Wales Theater? <laughs> and they kind of looked at me like, okay, now you're really pushing it. Everybody would be really happy to be at the poor Alex theater, you're getting commercially produced and you think that your play, right? With a whole cast of black women, we've never done a Canadian production is going to be at the huge Princess of Wales theater. And so I was like, okay. So I walked out of that meeting and I kept thinking they've got it wrong. Like they seriously have got it wrong. But then I was just like, you know what, Trey, be happy. Your play's getting commercially produced. How many playwrights ever get this opportunity? And so we started rehearsals at the Poor Alex Theater. And a month into rehearsals, 
we get a call that the negotiations for this big budget show that they were doing to put in the Princess of Wales Theatre had fallen through and they did not have another show to put in for that time slot. And so they called me and they were like, do you want to do the kink at the Princess of Wales Theatre? Do I want to? And I was like, yeah, I told you that's where we're supposed to be. And that's how it all happened. And it was funny when they first got us in there, they were like, um, we're just going to do a three week run because we think the theater is going to be too big. And, and until we get another show, we'll put you guys in there. And we ended up going from three weeks to sold out shows. And we ran in that theater for over five months. Wow. Right. So it was just one of those things where I'm just a big believer. Like if you just kind of let go and let the universe tell the universe what you want and it will happen. Right. But you just go, got to trust it. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's a, that's a huge deal. And, and I have stories like this in my life also, where it's just like you, if you hadn't written it down, nobody would believe you, you know, kind of thing. And to, to see that the, just the dreaming aspect is so important. You said something in your book, there's power in the pen. And I found that to be so powerful because I think that it's so important when we write things down, like we make contracts with ourselves. And yes. in that process, we're, we're visualizing not only on paper, but being able to write and say, and make this contract with our own energy. Like, this is something that I want. And, um, so, and so since you're really good at this, you not only did that in the play, then you got a show. Um, yes. which I then went on YouTube to start to search and saw, saw some of the show. And I was like, this, I want to see the whole episode. This is like <laughs> yes. a really entertaining show. Um, which is kind of like, you know, us, uh, you know, like, like barbershop in America kind of thing, but yes. like having uh, uh, the female hair salon perspective. And I loved watching that, but um, so then I want you to go into your, your manifestation of meeting Oprah. Cause we're a big fan of Oprah on this show. Oh yes. <laughs> and I've always, my whole thing is like, I say, I want to be, I want to be the next Oprah as far as spirituality stuff goes yes. or whatever. And so um, I wanted you to tell that story also, cause I think that that's a great story too, about oh, getting specific yeah. about what you're asking for. Yes. And that was a big learning lesson for me around being very specific about what you want. So I've been obsessed with Oprah since a little girl. And I write about it in my book, uh, being a latchkey kid at 12 years old, coming home, um, being the oldest, looking after my brother and coming home, making a snack and four o'clock tune in to Oprah. Right. And Oprah was kind of like the substitute surrogate mom for me like who raised me and for me as a black girl who wanted to get into entertainment a black chubby dark-skinned girl she was just kind of like the epitome for me of like it's possible Mm -hmm. so for many years um when Oprah's show was on I would send letters to Oprah in these pink and green fluorescent envelopes and I would just be like Oprah I want to meet you and at that time I was like 12 13 or 14 and I would send them weekly and I never got a response never got anything right and I was like okay you know and so then later on um when her show got canceled not canceled and when she retired from her show I was just so devastated because I was just like, how is that possible? I was supposed to be on the Oprah Winfrey show. Like (laughs) everybody knows that that was my journey. And so I was like, okay, I know I need to meet Oprah. So I then heard that Oprah was coming to the Toronto Film Festival to um, debut her film Precious, which she was the executive producer of. So I ended up buying tickets for the show 
And I kept saying before, um, as soon as I heard that was happening, I started writing, I'm going to meet Oprah Winfrey. And I would daily do uh, a visioning where I would just close my eyes and I would picture me meeting Oprah. And I would do this for, it was like for three months. And again, I started writing the clusters of seven. I'm so delighted and excited to meet Oprah, blah, 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 blah. And so when we got to the actual screening, I was stunned to find out that our seats were like, <laughs> like in this nosebleed section, like so <laughs> far away from the stage. And I was sitting there going, there is no way I'm going to meet Oprah because um, she was on stage and she was introducing the film. And I was sitting there going, oh my God. And I was like, universe, like you said to me, like I said, you know, this is what I want. So as the film went on, I was sitting there and because I also had said that I wanted to meet Oprah, I wanted to look my best. And I've always been a, a chubby girl, right? And so I had worn two pairs of Spanx. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like dangerous for your kidneys. Which is just else. so dangerous, right? But I was just like, you know, I want to look my best. And looking my best to me meant looking very slow. <laughs> so as I was sitting there, I was feeling like my circulation was about to stop, yeah. right? And I was just feeling really hot. The Spanx were pinching me by this time. I was really uncomfortable. And I turned to my friend and I said, oh my God, I gotta go to the bathroom and I gotta yeah. take these spanks off. And she was like, well, just wait till the end of the film. And I said, no, I, I, I really can't. She goes, well, you can miss the ending. And I said, I know, but I feel like I'm about to pass out. Yeah. So I got up and I, you know, and I moved past everybody and everybody was kind of like, oh, you know, when you're trying to move through the aisle and people are kind of, oh, you know. Oh my God, how dare you go to the bathroom. How you do this in the middle of the film? <laughs> And as I was going, I saw a sign that said bathroom upstairs and one downstairs. And so I looked and I said, oh, well, I'm a big believer that you should always be moving on up and ascending, right? So I said, I'm going to go to the bathroom upstairs. So I went to the bathroom upstairs. And as I was in the bathroom, I was taking off my um, pair of spanks and I decided to keep one pair on, right? And I took off one pair and I was kind of doing this breath of like exhale. Like I was like, thank God. <laughs> and I heard the bathroom door open and I pulled up the, my other pair of spanks and I came out and standing right at the sink with her shoes in her hand was Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and I just, I just, I literally just lost my mind. Like I just <laughs> lost my mind. And she was like, oh, my feet are killing me. And she goes, hey, how are you doing? I'm Oprah, right? Let's just introduce yourself. And I'm like, really? We know who you are. We know who you are. But she was so casual, just so lovely. And then I just, as I said in the book, it's one of those moments, if I could ever relive a moment in my life, I just lost my mind. Like I just started talking like diarrhea off the mouth. And I was like <laughs> telling her my whole life story. And I was telling her how much I was, um, you know, such a big fan and I just kept going and going and there was this little voice in me what was just like Trey shut the hell up <laughs> right but I was just like I am not going to lose this moment <laughs> and Oprah was looking at me and, and and to her credit she was just very lovely and she said well I wish you well <laughs> she just kind of was like you take care right? good luck with that and she just left and that was the biggest lesson of my life because I realized what I had written was I want to meet Oprah. And what I wanted 
was I wanted to actually sit down and be interviewed by Oprah. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to share my story and tell her, you know, and I realized, and that's what I said in the book, if that was the biggest lesson for me of being very clear and specific because the universe delivered for me. They said, you're going to meet Oprah. And I also should have been very clear on saying, when I meet Oprah, it's going to be a very calming and intellectual conversation. (laughs) And Oprah is going to be very curious about me and will want to know more about my life. But instead I was just like, (laughs) 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 so that was what happened. So that's my spank story with Oprah. I love that though, because it is, it does speak to uh, us getting very specific about what it is that we want. And I think that when we do talk about manifestation, a lot of the times we don't, we don't understand that, that, that actually is a part of it. Like us really kind of breaking down what that looks like, because I mean, sometimes it's like, be careful what you wish for. Yes. First really does like deliver what those things are, but they always kind of have a contingency of yes. like a lesson and impacted inside of them. And so um, when I, when I read that, I was laughing out loud and I just thought it was also kind of funny that you were in there to take your spanks off. She was yes. take your shoes off, you know, like you guys were on the same wavelength there about comfort. Um, but it's interesting because you did bring up in your book about the vision board and the power of visualization um, and, you know, the Jim Carrey story, which I'm a big fan yes. of Jim Carrey too. Yeah. Um, and his story about, and guys who are listening, you probably know the story, but him um, carrying around the $10, $10 million check in his pocket before he got yes. dumber for years or whatever. And so, um, and, and I always was really inspired by that, by that, that idea of like that visual. In fact, I just posted something on my Instagram. I'll show you real quick um, of 2019, where I was trying to manifest and I made this little, uh, this little piece of paper, just spelling out like (laughs) love of my life. I want to increase my income. I want my spiritual podcast to blow up. I want this. I want that. And I found this slip in my, in an old purse after we moved. And I was like, Oh my God, I've manifested all of those things. Yes. And I wasn't super specific because some of them, I was like, Oh, it could have been a little more specific. specific. Um, but to, to see in which the way an energy moves and how that's, yes. you know, shifted, um, you know, my own belief system, how has that changed your own personal spirituality? For me, it is around really trusting that things will come that will best serve me. Um, you know, it's funny, I was listening to a podcast this morning and it was by um Teray Roberts and he said every failure is ordained and if you look at it like that you will realize that even when you failed that what comes after the failure is something that either made you shift in direction and pivot in a different direction or grow and be stronger and um he said, if you believe that, you won't then be as devastated by mm-hmm. failure. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's been, um, I, I talk about this in the book, I always say a prayer when I'm asking for things. And I always say, if not this universe, then better. Mm-hmm. And I will trust that you will give me what you feel is the best thing for me, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm a, a big believer in purpose and calling and believing that what I can imagine, the universe is imagining something even bigger and Mm. greater for me. And I I look at my circumstances and, you know, I grew up in Toronto housing, which is basically the projects. Mm -hmm. My mom had me at 17. Um, 
you know, there were just so many things that were stacked against me, right? I was a black, dark-skinned, chubby girl, right? And so for me to have what has fallen into my, not fallen into my lap, but what has, you know, I have worked for, but has also come to me, it really doesn't seem like I would be the person who would have this level of success and career. And I know it's because I'm a believer in just really positive thinking. And of course, just like anyone, there are days when I get down and I'm like, oh my God, I can't, but I don't dwell in it and I don't sit in it. And I really watch my thoughts and, the, and what I say about myself and what I believe. Um, and in the book I talk about, um, in Black Girl in Love, I talk about my grandmother who, um, and I, I truly believe this is what kind of shaped me. And I don't believe my grandmother had the language around um, manifestation and visioning. But when I was born, I was born as a baby. I had like three gray hairs in my hair, right? And I had a lot of hair and right in the middle of my hair was three gray hair. And my grandmother always used to say to me, you are born with luck because of this gray hair, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, you should be proud of it. And this means that you are lucky and you are a child of God and only good things can happen to you because you're special. So all my life as a little girl, <laughs> I would walk through the world going, my grandmother said <laughs> I'm lucky <laughs> and I'm special and only good things can happen to me because I have these three gray hair. And I used to just kind of be like, you know, feeling really a lot of pity for people who didn't have three gray <laughs> hairs. <laughs> got older I realized that it may have just been superstition right mm -hmm. that my grandmother might have been which she was very superstitious but it set up for me this belief system in myself that only good things can happen to me mm -hmm. right so I've always walked through that in the world with that belief because my grandmother told me mm -hmm. I'm born with luck you know and even now with my nephew who's seven and my son who's 13 months, I keep always saying to them, you're lucky and good things are going to happen to you. And I want to instill that in them. Or we say to my nephew, you're a genius, right? And we say, yeah. and he walks through the world saying that I'm a genius. Mm -hmm. and, and I truly believe you have to set things up. And I think especially when you're a person of color and especially when you're raising young black boys, mm -hmm. you have to set up their mindset in a different way because there's so many things in mainstream which is going to tell you something different and I think for me I never believed anything that people told me about myself because I had that voice in my head where my grandmother said you know you're lucky and you're special mm -hmm. and good things can only happen to you mm -hmm. so that's how I walked through the world right? yeah the, the power of words is so important um something I mean that's that's the way I live my life the word thing is uh because I'm clear audience so I actually hear spirits yes. and stuff like that through the ear or whatever. So when I hear spirit guides and things like that, the, the, the vocal frequency and resonance of what people say out loud always sees yes. into me and it registers as a, as a, as a energetic marker. So when people talk about themselves or when people talk about certain things or whatever, there's always an energy being given off by yes. the exact word that they say. And so when they talk about spelling, how spelling is putting a spell on yourself and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. um, I, I, especially with my clients, I'm always like, be, be aware of what this is, doesn't yes. mean be positive Pollyanna or be toxic positive or whatever, mm -hmm. but being very mindful about what it is that you speak on yourself. And yes. I remember when I grew up in church, like just it being like, don't speak that on yourself. Don't claim it. My dad would say, you know, like we were like, I think I'm getting sick. And he's like, mm -mm -mm -mm. 
<laughs> yeah, don't say that. Don't claim it. And my mom, and your story reminds me of my mom because she would always say, no, you're a child of God. You got favor. And yes. so she would always like, tell the story about how like to this day, I never have trouble finding a parking spot because we yes. drive up, God's going to find us a parking spot. I was like, Other people are child of God too. How come they don't find this parking spot? Because we're special. Um, special, right. Yeah. Have that idea sitting in your head and, and that being something really powerful that you are, you are uh, ingratiating inside of them very young as a foundational belief system. Now talk to me about um, visualization because you, you get up every new year's and yeah. how cool that you do. Talk to us about that. Yeah, I really, um, every new year, um, I usually, I like to be by myself or if not by myself, be very intentional about who I'm inviting in my space. Um, you know, when we used to be able to gather, I would have vision board parties where I would invite, you know, some very close friends to come and create a vision board. And for me, it's around really setting the intentions for the year of like what I want. And on my vision board, I would put career, health, relationships, and financing. And I would just, you know, really just make sure it's a clear picture. And then I'm looking at it and seeing it. And then um, what I have started to do in the last two or three years, which has really worked for me, is taking a picture of that vision board and putting it on my screensaver Mm -hmm. on my phone. So I see it and I can believe it and know it. And it's a reminder. And then um, I try to also check in, you know, like every three months to kind of take a look in inventory to kind of go, okay, this Mm -hmm. is what we're doing. And I think what I say to a lot of people, because I think a lot of people believe, okay, you cut out really wonderful pictures and then you kind of say a prayer to the universe and all of this stuff is going to show up, right? You have to still actively be working on it. And if there's one thing that I really try and do is to get really quiet. Um, um, And I I would love to say I do this every day, but usually it's maybe two or three times a week. I will just sit in silence and I will say, God, order my next steps. Like, where do I go from here? And, And like you said, like when you said you hear guidance and you hear voices that that to me I I hear a very clear Mm -hmm. message about what's next you know and I trust that and I truly do trust that to be like okay this is what I'm supposed to be doing next and I'm very intuitive like Mm -hmm. very very intuitive and I trust that and the only time it's never worked for me is when I go against what I know and what clearly (laughs) yes what clearly I was supposed to do and the universe is like don't do that mm-hmm. don't say that don't go with that person that person and I think too and I will say this to a lot of people I think also too when you're very optimistic I'm a very optimistic person I have a tendency then to sometimes when the spirit is giving me a message that this person isn't good for you mm-hmm. or this situation isn't good for you I tend to be like oh but <laughs> and try and find the goodness right <laughs> and that has been something that has worked to my favor but also worked really against me because I then don't listen to my intuition because I'm like oh let me see the good in this and let me see the good in that person instead of just like as Maya Angelou says you know when somebody tells you who they are believe them (laughs) but I'm kind of like no 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 you don't really mean that (laughs) right yeah that's important um 
you know, especially when we talk about relationships, uh, because if we're ever in a scarcity mindset, like we, we try to make a square peg, fit around. Oh, girl. <laughs> yes. And I mean, even, it doesn't even have to be relationships, like a dream, a job, uh, you know, an opportunity, finances, things like that. I remember um, when I was, there's a, a very specific situation. Uh, I used to be, I'm still ish a wedding photographer um, for 16 years. And so um, there was a situation where I had this client and they were like promising, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to get this package. We're going to pay eight grand. It was the biggest package I had booked or something like that. My intuition was saying, don't book this client. And I was like, no, we need to buy a new car. Like we need to do this. We need to do that. No, this is going to be great. And I booked that client and I will, in the, in the shortest of words, I, 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 I worked for every cent. Yes. <laughs> if not more and double time, the things that they asked me to do and the things that they asked me to do over and the perfection they expected and the expectations just being out of control. And I was yeah. like, man, I was in, I would rather have not taken that money and had the freedom <laughs> of a yes. year because I ended up having to work with them after a year just to get everything quote wow. unquote. Um, and I remember thinking like, God damn, I'll never go against my intuition again for money. Like, yes. Oh, you know, that's a huge lesson. I don't know if you read it in my book where I talk about my biggest money lesson of being in a relationship with someone who made nearly like four times what I was making. Tell me the story. And, um, in the book, I talk about, um, I, because I came from um, a family where there definitely was some money insecurity. So I grew up always just thinking, you know, you know, worried about money, worried mm -hmm. about um, how it was going to show up in my life, if it was going to be taken away. And also growing up with this kind of sense of I had fooled everybody that someone like me wasn't worthy of being, you know, in the middle class or upper class. And so I said in the book, that the universe sent me my biggest money lesson because they knew that this was something that I needed to work through. Mm -hmm. And I started dating my partner who made like nearly four times more money than me per year. And that's a significant disparity between incomes when mm -hmm. somebody is making that much more money than you. And we ended up renting this really grand condo apartment. And as we were signing the lease, this voice kept saying to me, don't do this, Trey. This is way above what you can afford. This is nearly three times what you were paying for your mortgage for your home. Mm -hmm. And I and I just kept going, no, 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 I deserve this. I'm in love, blah, 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 blah. And it really put me in a position where I was very much financially dependent mm. on my partner. And when push comes to shove, when somebody has that much power over you and financially, it then all just fell apart. And I just felt like I could not speak up. I couldn't say anything. I, um, I was very, I said, I gave away my power mm. because I felt money represented power. So therefore I felt that I had no power in the relationships. I went along with a lot of things that I shouldn't have gone along with because I was like, oh, she's more powerful. She's got more money. She's more this, she's more that. And the biggest lesson was when the push came to shove, when, um, we had conflict and my partner texted me just out of the blue after four years saying, I don't want to do this anymore. I was left homeless. Like I practically mm. was left homeless because I could not afford that apartment by myself. And my partner was very aware of that. 
And so I was, I had less than 10 days to pack up an entire apartment with a newborn baby. And it was one of the biggest money lessons of my life of trust your intuition and everything in my intuition said, do not do this. Mm -hmm. Do not give away so much power to someone financially. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, no, 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 I'm in love, you know, no, 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 I deserve this. Why can't I have nice things, <laughs> right? And so there's a thing of, of course you deserve nice things, but you also have to know when you can afford nice things and what you are selling at, you know, the selling of your soul for nice things sometimes. Because mm. that's important in the dream process. When we talk about dreaming yeah. and what it is we want in our life and sometimes we are so attached to a, some type of timeline and it needs to happen now. And, yeah. and it's like, Oh, if we just waited a year, like things could be a lot more comfortable. A lot different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's something that this kind of reminds me of where you talk about getting um, rid of clutter and making oh. space. And I thought that was really important. And I feel like it ties together because there, there are ways in which we clutter our mindset in our lack and our scarcity and, and the thoughts and limiting beliefs that we may have that keep us from clearing real energetic space in order mm. to bring the things that we want into our life. We go against our intuition because we're fearful they won't show up later. Um, talk to me a little bit about your philosophy on that. Cause I always say that I'm like, you, you got to unplug one to stop using that energy to put in a new plug <laughs> to get yes. you know, like to, to bring in what it is that you're calling into your life. So what did you mean by that? Um, for me, I'm a big believer and if things are cluttered or you are feeling a bit, you know, confused or a bit, you know, everything just feels like, you know, unclear and mm-hmm. you don't have clarity. I always say to a lot of the clients that I work with, start in your home, start in your space. And for me, even just recently, I was, I was feeling like, oh, I wasn't sure of things. And I was, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I feel this kind of really unsettled energy. And I looked around in my car and I realized that I had been doing a lot of driving back and forth and, um, and I had gathered a lot of mess in my mm-hmm. car. Like my back seat was a mess. And, and especially when you have a kid, you start to realize like there's Cheerios. In no, the back. I know. There's my bonus kids, on the, the whole back seat is gross. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And you kind of excuse it and go, oh, I'm a mom, right? But mm-hmm. I realized I was like, this is why I'm feeling like this because my space isn't cleared. And it's, and I was spending so much time driving, like nearly one way um, to the daycare was 30 minutes and then driving back home was another 30 then to pick my son back up. And I was like, the space where I'm spending the most time is cluttered mm-hmm. and messy. And so I cleaned that car out and immediately I felt a sense of calm and, and clarity. And I do that a lot as well. Every new year, just before the new year hits, mm-hmm. I clear out my closet and I'm very symbolic. I'm, I'm always like, I'm clearing out and making space for new things to enter my life. And so I tell my um, clients a lot of times that sometimes it's your desk. If your desk is cluttered, your home space is cluttered. Something that I've noticed a lot um, and people always find this very strange about is when people clutter their fridge and they mm. have like food for days and food that's going rotten and they can't get into their freezer. And I'm always like, what is that about for you? <laughs> like, you shouldn't know like what exactly is in your fridge yeah. and you should be using everything. And so that is something that I really train myself to do is just shop enough for the week mm-hmm. and then go back. 
because I'm sending the universe a message of that, you know, I will use things and, um, and, I, and I'm very clear that more will come back to me. Mm-hmm. So that is something that I also encourage people to do, like clear out your fridge and your freezer. Like if you have stuff in there that's freezer burn and you're saving, you know, yeah. <laughs> like pasta since 1999, you know? <laughs> like get rid of it. <laughs> I think that that's, yeah, I mean, it's hilarious because we just moved. And so in the process, like I I actually moved four times this year. um, Oh girl, I hear you. Oof, And I was like, you know what? Just shave everything off. Like, what is it that we don't need? So that way I'm not having to like carry a bunch of stuff. And so the process of me and my partner, I had to move into his place before we moved into the house that I just bought. And so then the bringing of things and I'm sitting here going, why are you bringing that thing? Or do we need this thing? No, no, no. Don't bring it in the house. Like, like <laughs> let's keep the clutter to the minimum keep the clutter. Yeah. Um, as much as possible, mostly because on an energetic level, like I feel that I feel very aligned with what you're saying and to make space for what it is that you're trying to bring into your life. You need to I have that actually reflected also in your physical. And do you think that that's all of these things that we kind of talked about? Do you think that that's been a process of your practice for a long time? That's made you such a strong manifester? I definitely do. I I do because um, I'm very clear. I'm very intentional. And I'm a big believer that everything has to line up, right? So I feel if you are messy or if you're all over the place and you're frazzled and it shows up in your house and it shows up in the way that you do things, um, that's what's going to show up for you. Like for me, I also had a really bad habit of starting a lot of things and saying yes to things and then avoiding people because I (laughs) didn't have time to complete what I said I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of unfinished stuff. And then I would find in my life, things always felt unfinished. And I realized it's because I brought that energy into my life of saying yes and not completing things. And I had to really learn to say no to a lot of things and be very clear that when I start a project to finish it and, and be a person, I used to always say, um, I think it's in the four agreements when they say, um, what's that thing? Be a person of your word or be, yeah. there, was, there was something about your word. I can't remember what it is, but I really started to practice that, right? Mm-hmm. Of being like, if I said I was going to do something, I was going to do it. And if I said mm-hmm. I was going to complete it, I'm going to complete it. Because I believe that energy comes back to you. Mm-hmm. you know and then I was finding when I was doing stuff that felt incomplete I was then attracting that energy of people not really showing up for me yeah. um, people saying yes and then it really wasn't a yes and I realized because I was giving that kind of energy too mm-hmm. so I'm a big believer in what you are giving out is going to return back to you it's always that mirror yes Yes. Now, I just oh, had, that's what it is. Be impeccable with your word. That's yes, be impeccable with your word. So I couldn't think that's of it either. I was like, for. I just read that book too. I can't. Yes, remember. I can remember what. But that is something that I really try to practice of being, and I, I find that's the thing that I struggle the most with because I'm a people pleaser right. and I want to say yes to things. And but I always then say, Trey, is this making you being impeccable to your word? Can you finish what you just said? You've agreed to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important as a practice for us to get in a place of being able to make our dreams happen because so often we start a dream and we don't actually push it to, to finish it or like kind of wait and be through the patience, through the harder parts, uh, believing that it'll kind of come to us. Um, one of my spirit guides reminded me just now, they were like, Paulo Coelho, Paulo Coelho. And I was like, oh, yes. yes. 
Um, (laughs) I didn't have it written down on my notes here. Um, the universe, I want to get it wrong. You know, the quote, the universe always conspires to give you exactly what, when, when, when you want something, the entire universe conspires to give you make it. So yes. And it's, I've, I learned that quote, I think in 2010 and the first time I read the alchemist. Yes. And I remember reading this book and having such a profound, this was before I really, really even found my spirituality. I was just on the cusp of leaving Christianity as a, as a, as a formative belief, um, yes. not like, like a released spiritual belief, but it, like, I used to be, I grew up someone, uh, in the, the Southern Baptist church, like, oh, wow really strict um you know you couldn't be gay you couldn't have these things or or whatever um so coming outside of that and finding this new fluidity in spirituality and understanding and openness and I was like huh this is really nice so reading that book was such a smack in the face kind of in the best way um and then starting to understand the, the very basics of what law of attraction is and seeing how like, okay, when, if I believe something, then it'll happen or whatever. My mom teaching me with the favor comment that that was manifestation was at that point when we would pray for something, then something would happen, that kind of thing. When I was little, we would lose a toy and mind you, this is manipulation, but my parents would we'd lose something and be like, well, pray. And then God will find it for you. And then yeah. you know, the purple lion or whatever that I had would be sitting in the middle of the floor. God found my and it's right there in the middle of the floor. And they were trying to teach us the process of prayer, but I was like, that was really manipulative mom. But in that same <laughs> essence, um, when, when we pray for something, when we want something, when we desire something, the universe conspires to make it so. And I've really learned how to champion that as an energy um, to get into a space of saying, okay, I, this, is, this, is, this is what I want my life to look like. But something yeah. you said that was super important that is a total benchmark of my philosophy is, is I kind of put up my hands and say, I surrender universe to what you have for me. And that being such a massive part in the process of not being like universe, you're a catalog for me to get whatever I want. Rather, I came on this earth for purpose and a mission. What would you have for me? What was the most formative moment for you where that shift happened, where you understood that? I think for me, it really was um, when I saw the trajectory of the kink, um, um, my play, because what I had envisioned and what I thought, I I knew that there had to be something more in play than just me. Like there had to be some kind of higher power that had their hand in something to make everything um, line up. Like I remember like, for example, when we were rehearsing the play, I was like so broke, so, so broke. And we were, the hair, um, the play takes place in a hair salon. And I was like, oh, we gotta get a hair um, chair. And then we looked in how much it costs to get like a, a real hair salon chair. And I think two weeks into rehearsal, one of the actors came and said, oh, the salon is closing down. And they said that you can come and get the, any hair cherry that you want from there. And all of these little <laughs> things always kept happening in my life where, things would just happen. And I would just always say, you know what, universe, I'm gonna let you figure this one out. Mm-hmm. And, and I do that a lot of times, especially when I'm in things that really feel really hard and things that I feel 
I can't explain why they're happening. And I just sometimes say, you know what, I'm just going to trust this process. I really am going to trust this process and just believe that you have it all figured out for me, you know? And um, I'm a big believer in just saying, you know, your steps are, you know, ordained, right? Like they're already ordained and it's, it's just for you to just really be quiet so you can find the path mm-hmm. of where you need to go. And usually when it, you go off course, it's because you got, you know, you got obsessed with the, the, the destination or mm-hmm. you got obsessed with what you're going to make out of it financially or the fame, the, the, glory, the outcome, instead of just saying, I'm just going to trust the process and I'm going to go along with this process. And so for me, that has been a big shift in just surrendering because a lot of the times I don't have the answers or things don't make sense to me, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I realize it's because there's a higher purpose or a higher value that needs to be, I need to place on certain things. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And in that process, you've been able to create incredible content that has like changed people's lives. I watched yeah. the reviews when people came out of your play and they're going, this should be in school books and this should be this. And this has changed uh-huh. me in this way. You've made massive impact by doing just that. So we appreciate your presence on earth and what it is that you've been able to present to the world. Um, One last thing, if there was something you're going to leave our listeners uh, as far as impact goes, what is your lasting thought? I believe everybody has a calling on their lives. And I think a lot of times we think that it has to be something where you see your name in lights or, you know, you're going to make a big financial gain from it. And I believe that if you are really quiet and you listen to what you're really good at and what brings you joy and you realize that everybody, somebody out there is waiting on your gifts, somebody is waiting for you to show up and share what you know. And I think if you walk through the world believing that someone is waiting exactly for what you have to offer to show up, it will really shift the way you walk through the world, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and believe that you're guided, that all of us were put here for a reason. Whatever that may be, we were all put here for a reason. And maybe it's to be the best mom in the world and to create, you know, I always think about the woman who gave birth to President Obama, right? Yeah. I'm sure she never thought that, you know, this young biracial child is going to change the course of history. Mm. right Mm. but there she was right and I always think about that was maybe her purpose was to give birth to that amazing person who was going to change the course of history and then that person then gave so many hope to other little young black boys and girls looking at him Mm -hmm. right so you just never know what your purpose is right and so I'm a big believer in that like it's just knowing that everybody is here for something and I think a lot of times too when you're that stay-at-home mom or you're that person who is quote unquote the school janitor um people don't give purpose to that you know and think that what they're doing is really important i think about my grandmother who did menial work who swept the trains for a living right like my grandmother used to leave at midnight and go and literally sweep a train 
right? That was her job. Yeah. And yet she was one of the biggest influences on my life. I don't think that I would be here if I did not have her presence mm -hmm. in my life. So mm -hmm. I always believe her purpose was to pour into me mm -hmm. so that I can then pour into others, right? Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Trey, for being on thank the show. You. Such a joy. Uh, before we go, can you tell everybody where they can find you and also where they can find your new book? Sure. I'm on Instagram under Black Girl in Love. My book is called Black Girl in Love with Herself. You can find it on Amazon, wherever books are sold. Please buy, 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 buy. It's so important. Um, I also have a website, treyanthony.com, which is T-R-E-Y, anthony.com. I'm on Facebook under Trey Anthony as well. I'm also on Twitter, but I'm not that good on Twitter. So <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> you know, we're strong suits on each, each platform we want to choose. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Guys, if you like this episode, which I surely did and enjoyed, please send it to someone you love and we will see you in the next one. Hope you enjoyed this episode please share it with someone you love and if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what i do and to book your own session and don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on patreon as always thank you for listening mm -hmm.